Hey everybody, and welcome to our spoiler cast for The Last of Us Part 2. It's finally here after our weeks of teasing. I'm Colin McGregor, guiding uh, guiding light and guides writer for <laughs> fanbite.com. I am joined today by both the weekend writer, Natalie Flores, and morning Hello. news writer, Kenneth Shepard. What up? Uh, as we we've done before, we did a review cast uh, last week, so we're gonna we're gonna go into the spoilers today. So if you have not played the game, or you know you want to go in blind, which we recommend, uh, go listen to the review podcast because we are under a really tight embargo and there's almost no spoilers at all there. But today we'll be diving in headlong into everything about this game that we have been wanting to talk about for a long time, and I think the best place to start is where kind of the game diverges. There's a point that in the game where you will stop playing as Ellie and you will play as what I would say is the antagonist of the game, Abby. And you will kind of uh, play as Abby for, I would say roughly with what, 10 hours of the game. So Kenneth, what are your, what are your guys thoughts kind of on that? Cause it's a big part of the game. It's uh, it just kind of like mm. takes off like halfway through and you're on a completely different character now. Yeah, I think there's been like a lot of comparisons to like Metal Gear Solid 2, which I mean, in like a very kind of reductive way, I guess that works. Like they advertise this game as like being about one character, but it turns out it's actually about two characters. And uh, I don't know, like I was at first a little caught off guard because we don't really get an introduction as to who this character is until like basically the midway point of the game. Because like you start out, like you play as her very early on in the first like, when we started out in Jackson and she we're not really given much context to who she is we kind of get a little inkling of a personal drama um to me it was one of the more interesting like I it was it was very interesting to me to watch this game kind of play with perspectives in a way that the first game didn't really do because like first game you know it's very much Joel and Ellie's story and you know even if you're not playing as one of them you still got you got the, the same goals like you're kind of going in the same direction um we're here i felt like it was one of the most effective ways that the last of us has ever been able to kind of get me to empathize with people that in theory i shouldn't like you know depending on the perspective that i'm given abby like you said is the antagonist but then it, but then it asks the question is she really <laughs> Our, uh, is man, man is the true monster is the mm. I mean, Abby makes up uh, a very large portion of the game, and, mm-hmm. and Naughty Dog has done a lot to hide her from uh, yeah. from the general uh, public uh, through the leaks. And uh, what did what did you did you know about her going in, Natalie? Did you uh, was she surprising to you that you got to play at her? What, what, what were your thoughts on kind of Abby as a character, and I suppose as a portion uh, of the uh, story itself and the gameplay? What I really really love that they've done here is um so have either of you played near automata mm-hmm. yeah uh, so i have not sadly it's something uh, i need to get on totally though like, you need told to. how amazing uh, it is. but for fans of near automata who are listening to this i think it works in a similar fashion where um you are presented with uh, a certain side of the events and then context is retrospectively added mm. later on and so especially as i replay this game it's extremely rewarding to see just like 
all the pieces where like Abby fits in the puzzle where I had no context before but after having finished a game and knowing Abby and um, where she was what she was trying to accomplish when she was trying to find Owen what her motivations were uh, it just makes the game so satisfying to replay and to Mm -hmm. see what you didn't catch the first time on I remember that when the first trailer came out people were uh, speculating that Abby was Ellie's mother, uh, mm. which is not true. Uh, mothers are actually uh, pretty devoid in this game, uh, unfortunately, and it's something that I will write about uh, soon enough. Um, but uh, so Abby, for those of us who like have played or those of us who just like want a bit of context if they're not going to play. Um, so Abby is sort of the antagonist, but it feels unfair to call her that as well because the game is so effective at presenting you with this figure that you hate um, just because mm. you start from the perspective of Ellie and Abby kills Joel uh, two hours into the game <laughs> in a very gruesome and awful manner and Ellie has to watch all of it. Um, so that sparks Ellie's um, entire quest for revenge. Uh, but um, I lost my train of thought. Oh my god, I was like thinking about the scene. Uh, but, Fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Abby isn't really an antagonist because, like Colin mentioned at the beginning, there's a half point in the game where you play basically the second half of the game um, or at least a very good portion of it as Abby and you uh, see her life. You see um, the well, the Washington Liberation Front. You see her friends. You see how much she parallels Ellie uh, and how much of a foil she is to her in a lot of ways. Um, and so you, you really quickly learn that she is not an antagonist, just someone... Mm who was deeply hurt by Joel because Joel killed her father, who was a surgeon that was going to operate on Ellie at the end of the first game in order to create the vaccine to cure humanity since Ellie is immune to uh, the virus. Uh, And so that set off her quest for revenge. So it's a story Mm. absolutely not about antagonists or protagonists. It's it's so expertly done, just Mm. the way that this game handles... Uh, it doesn't do it in a way that shows both sides or like tries to like say oh both sides are equally bad or good or something like that we might we can go into that later on but it's not something that i felt that was executed in that way it's more of a story of these two women who have embarked on individual quests for revenge uh and who uh, have hurt each other in in direct Mm. and direct ways and it's a a tragic often heartwarming often heartbreaking tale about just two women molded by tragedy who are trying to ruin other people to see if they can fix themselves essentially so um abby is just she's a wonderful character wonderful addition to the last of us um i am so glad that we get to play an entire game of just women um Mm. you get to play as joel for like one or two sections very minimal but the rest of that it's ellie and it's it's not just ellie it's also abby who is this vastly different character you know she's um She's at a different point in her life. She she's really buff. She's not a typical <laughs> like woman that we see in video games, let alone leading them. Yes. Um, she has mm. a a beautiful bromance arc um, that a lot of women that look like her and are characterized like her don't really get. Uh, and I just I 
I adore Abby and I adore Ellie. Mm. I think some people somehow managed to pick sides either as to who mm. they support by the end. But for me, it was impossible. Right. Even though Ellie is my favorite, I still, <laughs> there are, there are, you know, moments where Ellie and Abby have to physically fight and hurt each other and almost kill each other mm. basically and i cannot understate the amount of times that i died just because i did not want to hurt the other and yeah. that happens for both of them so just this game is so clever and i'm so excited that we get to finally talk about all the ways that it does really ingenious right. stuff yeah. i think on I think that, to your point there's so oh, there's sections of uh the last of us where i would say they're like boss battle-esque yeah. Um, you, well, the first one is a confrontation in an old theater that Ellie has been holding up in. Uh, you play as Abby in this portion after, mm. uh, you learn that Ellie is basically murdered all of her like close friends because that was like a gang that came with her when they went to go hunt down Joel and Ellie kind of like remembered their faces and has been like systematically taking them down one at a time. Uh, when you play as Abby, there's a section where you chase, uh, Ellie down in the theater and then the game asks you to fight ellie and this was a lot of the late uh, a lot of like kind of the leaks uh mm. kind of came in as people thought that's where the game ended with abby beating ellie but it's a really it's a really intense scene no. it's, it's and it's it really so well done because i uh, to to what natalie said is i really didn't want to take a side and it was really right. i found it like difficult to 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 carry out uh beating ellie with abby because i i i was i'm still i still like ellie a bit more than i liked abby as generally as a character yes. but i i really kind of like the whole time during the fight like mm, come on ellie right. you could do this come on, ellie, yeah. fun. i'm not that good times, of a player you got this you got how this many <laughs> how many times i managed to surprise myself because they really communicate in contrast with the rest of the enemies that you encounter in the game. Ellie can kill you like in one shot, mm. just like bam, just like slide a sword or like a machete right through your gut. And I, the amount of times that I managed to be surprised because I decided to step in front of her and was like, oh no, I have to hurt you. Ah, <laughs> punch. And then she just like kills me in one sweep. I managed mm. to be surprised and it was so stupid. I was just like, you clown. You just don't want to hurt your socks, butch, like murderous GF, which yeah. I didn't. So I think it's, I think it really speaks to how strong of a character Abby is that. So yes. the point, the point that, you know, we switched to Abby is we've basically completed Ellie's revenge tour and we, feel like we're about to you know, be at like the very end of the game like because abby is in the theater she's got tommy down on the floor jesse's dead we feel like we're about to get into like this last fight and then it switches over and like i was immediately frustrated like no we were so close we were almost at the like the, the point where ellie was gonna get revenge and then by the time that i got back to that point as abby i was just sad that everyone had been in like all the situations that had to be in place for us all to reach that moment and i just like it, like other than the fact that like I was having to fight Ellie, like just I didn't want this fight to happen. I wanted there to be a point where they could both see how much they had lost from all that they had done, and then they just were able to be able to like put their weapons down and just walk away. Um, which I mean, in in you know Abby's case, that is what happens at the theater because she has you know she she wins that fight. Like let's not oh, like mince words. Like <laughs> Ellie and Dina have just been completely owned. Like they are. Dina's head got smashed and yeah. I was about to lose my shit because I was like, no, you can't kill my favorite. No. 
Yeah. Or any then, of them. Just don't touch them. Yeah, but just I also every, everyone just walk away. Rage. Yeah. But then we had Lev, who was like becoming sort of this, uh, you know, the angel on Abby's shoulder being like, no, I don't want this, I don't want this to happen anymore. I want this to end. And so like something that is interesting to me about Abby and Lev is like, you know, not like you said that there aren't mother figures in this story. And that, you know, is kind of true. But I almost felt like by the time the Abby Abby story was over, she had like the Joel Ellie relationship but with Lev. And I thought that was like, you know, in a, in a scenario where there is a third game, maybe that kind of would be expanded up upon. But, you know, which I'm sure there I've, will be. Uh, let's put a pen in that but <laughs> i i really enjoyed watching abby and love's relationship because it did like i said it mirrored the joel and ellie one where they they these two people that seem like they should be at odds with one another finally coming together and being like like there's that that point where abby says you are my people now like and like yeah. when lev love's sister uh, has been killed by the wlf and abby is like He's, he's like you know, your people did this and this is your fault and she's like no they aren't my people anymore you are like seeing these two people that are kind of disenfranchised from their like the places that they had come from like their origins and are like no we are in this together now like this is us against the world yeah which, I have, sorry go ahead yeah. Yeah. no no that was basically my, th- <laughs> my thought yeah and it, it avoids a lot of the worry that I had in regards to both sidesism just because that's usually something that is applied to people of color and like mm-hmm. having to forgive oppressors and be the bigger person. And so I'm particularly sensitive to those kinds of narratives. And I, I, I know the warning signs when I see them and, um, I kept anticipating them, but I think what makes it work really well here is the fact that love isn't really representative of the Seraphites um, because this could have easily been like, oh, a story about how the Seraphites and the WLF can just come together for mm-hmm. unity and like work together and be friends and unity is more powerful than justice and like the world is healing we are the virus <laughs> we need to just come together like no like i right. hate stories like that and they are so absolutely not true to the needs and demands that we have in real life towards injustice right. um and so what i think makes it work here so well is that lev and abby are both out of their systems by the time that mm-hmm. their relationship comes to fruition uh specifically abby like in the section right before you kill a bunch of WLF members and they're like, mm-hmm. Oh, Abby, you fuck like you betrayed us and stuff. So she is no longer seen as one of them, even though she was such an integral member of that community. Right. Um, in a similar fashion, uh, Lev, because he is a trans boy is not seen as part of the Seraphites and is seen mm-hmm. as a betrayer uh, because he shaved his head and wanted to live out as the person that he really is and is meant to be, uh, which is not not allowed under a religious cult like the Seraphites with strict gender norms. Um, So I think that's what makes it work so well because these are two people that aren't representative of their systems. They're people who have been disillusioned by Mm -hmm. the respective systems and they find meaning and community in each other and in seeing the humanity in each other and recognizing their individual needs for justice and for... um, righteousness uh you know love 
is a character that represents the sort of theology behind the Seraphites, but a version of it that is not the one that is weaponized as the Seraphites right. use it. Like it is the ones that the Seraphites use is a very bastardized version of what is supposed mm. to be a peaceful religion and way of life. One that love very much still carries with him and tries to mm. exercise. And that's why it's really powerful. Um, when during that fight, love tells Abby, don't kill Dina essentially because right. he knows that, like what makes that what makes that seem powerful is that Dina is pregnant. She was pregnant with uh, Jesse's uh, baby um, just because she was with Jesse right before she got together and, with Ali. And, and, and to be clear, for for those that don't know that are listening, he is a friend of Ellie's, and he is the former yeah. boyfriend of Dina. He kind of shows up in the beginning, and then there's like a portion kind of midway through in the game where you have him as a companion. But. Yeah, and he's awesome, and uh, he. He dies uh, like right before this, unfortunately. Oh, that was so heartbreaking. It was so I was, hard, I was really like, I didn't like it at first, and then like I was starting to grow on like his kind of personality and his view mm. on all this. And then like the moment I'm like, oh, all right. And then he just gets shot in the face by Abby. I'm like, no. And it's so. He was like the innocent so, of them all too. Like the, like the golden retriever. His last sentence was basically, "My friends' problems are my problems," and they managed to not make that cheesy by Ellie pointing out that it's really sappy. And he's like, all right, I'll fix it. Just my friends don't know how to get out of their damn way. And so he is just such a likable, fantastic character. I, I love the ways in which he respects the fact that Dina and him are no longer together, that mm-hmm. Dina and Ellie's relationship is, uh, you know, has obviously taken precedence and he is in no way trying to interfere with that. He's just like a kind, wonderful incredible character um unfortunately dies right before this because abby kills him and so going Mm. back to that scene of abby deciding to give mercy to dina um it it makes it really powerful because ellie has an anxiety attack when she kills abby's sort of friend uh the girlfriend of her ex-lover um who was pregnant with his baby um and so in the same way, sort of, Abby decides to give forgiveness to someone who is a relatively uninvolved party um, and who is also, like, you know, has new life forming in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like this sort of, I guess, metaphor for sort of forgiveness and mercy and just, like, the cycle and how they can't keep carrying it on like forever. Right. Uh, mm. So think, it's just a lot, but yeah, those, those are, I think there's a really good inevitability to Abby's art. Cause it ends as you kind of pointed out, Kenneth, it ends the uh, Abby, Abby section starts when Ellie and Abby have their confrontation. And then the entire time, like running up to Abby's, like when we switched over to Abby, I was very much on team Ellie. I was very mm. like, you know, oh, fuck absolutely. these people, fuck everything about them. There's no way this game's going to get me to care about them. Yeah, I was and, like, and are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> you have to do this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's <I was> literally <laughs> what I thought. <laughs> I'm like, really? You're going to make me? <sighs> All right. All right, Neil Druckmann. All right, Haley Gross. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll just, and we'll just get this section over like with. the best character of this game. And mm-hmm. and as it as it goes on, and I think I really didn't click with Abby until Lev and Yara come into the picture uh, about midway through her campaign, and yeah. you really kind of open up and you get to see that Abby isn't 
just kind of like the this very gruff person. She has your like own fears. Like there's a bit where you have to, and I and I really think it's such a cool level uh, when you have to climb across the skyscrapers. Uh, there's a bit where she, yes. she she has to climb across like a crane to get to the other side with Lev uh, because it's like a Seraphite walkway and she has like a full on panic attack as, as you rightly should when you're climbing across the crane and, and I think there's a really interesting moment of weakness where uh, I expected the game to have her be like alright I'm going to overcome this but uh, but the game does such a good job of making Abby feel realized when she like has her panic attack and she actually falls off and and conveniently lands in like a sky pool where uh, like an apartment like gym she goes to like the window and lands in a pool and I think uh, all of this really just plays into the inevitability you know where the game is going to end up and the more time you spend with Abby the more I dreaded getting to that point right because I, I really didn't because I was really I really started to like both well I liked that Ellie. I really started to like Abby as we got closer to that moment. And it, it, there's, it's a really, to the both the writer's credit, they do a really good job of not making Abby, like, super sympathetic. Like, she, like, both her and Ellie do some really fucked up things in this game. They're like, arguably terrible people. Yeah they're, yeah, they're both not great people when they have to be, but they're also can be kind-hearted and warm. And it's really, it's a very hard note to hit, especially in a post-apocalyptic uh, setting, which we see, like, all the time. And, and I wanted to kind of, like, give credit where credit is due to Haley Gross and you know, Druckmann. They do a really nice job mm-hmm. of kind of threading the needle of of not kind of, like, making one or the other really feel like the, the, the worst of the two. Yeah, and it doesn't even feel like it focuses so much on showing like this person might not be bad and they have some good in them blah 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 it's more like these are two women who have had their lives irreparably broken by tragedy um that has caused them to uh lash out and enact violence upon others in order to try to fix the pain that they are dealing with and so at no point does the narrative in my opinion fetishize the violence say that it's okay but it also makes sure not to condemn these women for the tragedy that has molded them because like yeah like I would do the same if I was Ellie. Like, if I... Okay, and that's saying if I could, like, jump on ledges without, like, dying or, like, <laughs> you, you know, climb saying, ropes. And... You could do that, Natalie. I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. If I could, like, actually swim or something. Um, but, like, these are these are very human things. And I think even if you don't like Ellie or Abby by the end of the story, which I think is really difficult to do, you at least understand them entirely. And I mm. think... I think you can't understand Joel in the first game without understanding these two. Like, if you understand Joel in the first game and his motivations for doing what he does, then you have to understand these two as well. And I've heard mixed things on that. Some people uh, totally understood what Joel did, but they don't understand the violence that uh, Ellie and Abby, you know, enact upon others. And I guess it kind of confounds me because... Joel doomed an entire, like, all of humanity for one person. Um, And what these women do, they act very violently and they kill a lot of people, but that's essentially no, not much different from what Joel does. Joel killed so many people. He didn't just kill Mm. 
uh, Abby's father, when he decided to take Ali away from that hospital, he killed all of humanity. And so Joel, these Joel are just, people. Joel just politely put them to sleep. That's that's all. Just he didn't put them to sleep. He just you know, give him like he, they were all tuckered out, and he kind of like picked the put them in a headlock. And he's like, here, just sleep just now. It's fine. Just in my night, tuck tuck. Goodbye. Uh, but yeah, and so. Going back to what you said about Yara and Lev, absolutely they are the pivotal points of um, Vabi's character. Uh, just because, like, it, it, for me, one of the most powerful moments was when Abby is talking to Mal in the aquarium after Yara's arm gets amputated. And uh, Mel basically finds out that Abby and Owen had slept together, that Owen is still in love with Abby, even though Mel has his baby and he's with her now. And she tells Abby, like, fuck you, like, you are a horrible person, like, you are a shitty person, like, I will never forgive you, etc. And she's justified in thinking this because, yeah, like... You know, like she slept with Owen and she, you know, she, Mel was never okay with Abby uh, and the way that she handled things with Joel. Like she she thought he got what he deserved, but she didn't want to be a part of it. Mm. Um, and I think possibly one of the most powerful moments in the game for me, if not the most powerful, was right after that when Yara is like, hey, Lev's gone missing. Can you help me try to go find him? And... Lev and and Yara and Abby walk through the aquarium trying to find Lev. Abby gets a toy for Lev. She thinks of Lev and is like, you know, Lev really likes sharks, so let's get him this little plushie here in like the gift store. Yara tells uh, Abby about Lev and um, his past and his gender and all the things that have come out of him transitioning. And the moment when Yara tells her, you're a good person. And like, that was so touching to me. And that really encapsulates Abby's character as a whole, I think, because like, there's no arguing that Ellie and Abby are shitty people to a lot of people. Like there is no Mm. going against that. There is no denying that. And it does a disservice to the characters to deny that. But we're also shown through Lev and through Dina just how good these characters can be as well and just how like it is in real life you know there there are people who hate me there are people who love me and that goes for <laughs> you and Colin and everyone else like we all have people who think we will be bad people and are bad people and that's unfortunately the case but there are mm. also other people who who see the best in us and who who understand us and i think this game is so much about understanding and about seeing Mm. that humanity in people and showing how we can be the worst and the best like it really shows the worst of humanity and the best of humanity Mm. and it doesn't try to romanticize or fetishize or downplay either one like it goes all in with both and you talked a little bit about this and your last piece, uh, your second to the last piece, because you just did one on the guitar, which I'm, I'm all about. Um, it's a reckless <laughs> amount of money I'm going to spend to maybe get that guitar. But don't encourage um, me. You, you, you mentioned the violence, uh, mm. Kenneth, in this game and kind of the portrayal of it and, and our disconnect. And I think that's that's been a turnoff for a lot of people is is because this is a very brutal game. There are some right. very right. Uh, cold moments like 
uh, Ellie beats like a dog with like a pipe and mm. Yara gets her arm broken in a very visceral scene. And I think a lot of people can kind of feel uh, afraid and, and grossed out that mm. the violence is trying to make them kind of feel bad. And I wanted to right. kind of, because you, you, you wrote extensively in this, but I, I'd love to hear what are you kind of now that you're kind of unshackled and can talk about whatever you want. Because <laughs> uh, it gets very, very cruel at the end, like yeah. especially when we get to the uh, – so the Seraphites live on an island and there's a bit where the WLF attack the island and it, 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 it the you get to see the fight between the two of them and it can get really, really uh, – really brutal in points. And mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to, what, what were your thoughts on kind of the violence of, uh, of the last of us, and especially towards kind of the end where it like really ramps it up. Like that fight between Abby and Ellie at the end is, <laughs> it's a very, very oh. end. It's very intense. Kenneth, right. you can go first. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm of a couple minds. Cause like, I don't know that it's fair to like say that the, and there's not that anyone here is saying it, it's just like it can be like a sentiment that is around that like The Last of Us revels in its violence. Cause I don't think, I've never felt like The Last of Us like really hammed it up. It always just felt very matter of fact to me. Like in, you know, granted, like it is, and not to say there's anything wrong with like being squeamish about it, like not wanting to see it. Cause it, I mean, it is a very photorealistic game. So like it can very much be unsettling in that way. But, where my trouble comes with it is that there's sort of this, and it's kind of like a larger conversation around video games is like this idea that we as the players should be expressing ourselves through, through the things that we do in games where like the last of us is a very linear, very specific narrative. Um, And I don't know that it's fair to put like the quote, like the guilt of that on us because we are just, Kind of, like, we're almost like actors in a stage play. Like we're playing the part of a character, and like what that character does or doesn't do does not actually represent us as people. And it just it is the means by which we are experiencing the story. So, like, I kind of got a little bothered by some of the kind of comments, like, "Oh, this game is trying to make you feel guilty for something." Like, you know, like we we killed uh, the dog Alice as Ellie, and then. Immediately when we get to Abby's stuff, we end up just playing with that dog and just like seeing <laughs> it's like her. the first 10 minutes. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, you remember that dog you just brutally beat down? Yeah, let's go play fetch with the dog. Right. And it's and it, it kind of comes back to what I was saying about like how when I got to the theater as Abby, I just didn't like I wanted these people to be able to move on and not fight and like not, there'd be no more violence between them. It's just more like it makes me sad. It like it it upsets me in a way that like I am an onlooker looking at a story that is sad. Cause like last of us is a very tragic story. And like a lot of awful things happen to people who maybe do or do not deserve it, depending on what your perspective is. But I don't like that. We put that on ourselves or like that. There is like a notion that we should, because this isn't our story. This is LA Nappy's story. This is Joel's story. This is like something that we are a passive observer who happens to have to push the stick forward to play. Yeah, um, so, yeah, I think a lot of the tension resides in this notion that because of the immersive nature of video games, we are supposed to feel exactly what the character that we're playing as feels, and so at the same time, we inject ourselves into that character, even if they are already a really well-established character of their own, like Ali, um, 
part of this, I think, is the fault of the marketing. The marketing in general Left. has yeah. been extremely faulty for this game. Some of it um, is for the sake of protecting the big spoiler <laughs> that Joel is dead two hours sure. into the game. But a lot of it could have been handled better, not just in escaping the bring your gaze tropes and in um, you know not portraying this as a game that fetishizes violence and doesn't have moments of horror that really ground it and make it as something much different from like, I don't know, this like glorified shooting zombie simulator. Um, but I, I, like I've seen a lot of the sentiment expressed around like, uh, you know, Abby and Ellie were doing these horrible things and I wanted to stop them, but I couldn't and it frustrated me. And I don't think that's on the fault of the players necessarily. I think it's, Part of it is, is on the marketing for for being like, oh, we want you to experience, you know, the the regrets of doing right. this and the pain of doing this. And it's like, no, like it is okay if we are not Ellie. It is mm -hmm. okay. We are absolutely not Ellie, in fact. Right. And it is okay. And we don't need to be immersed to that degree in order for us to be immersed into the story and this character and to understand her motivations because we are, mm. this medium inherently allows you to have a very direct and internal perspective of, uh, you know, living in a character's shoes and experiencing what they're experiencing. Um, so the way that the game tries to really make that lineup, I think is... There are a lot of places and sources at fault for that, and I don't think it works to its benefit. Um, right. For more on that, I recommend anyone listening to uh, read Ken's wonderful piece on Aww. the violence in The Last of Us 2 and how sort of the idea that we should you know, feel bad for the violence is like pushed onto the player as right. like a separate entity when... I think it's something much more complicated than that. For sure. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think this game fetishized violence, at least personally. Um, mm -hmm. All the deaths that happened were quick. They were brutal, but they were quick. And it's not like it's very voyeuristic. It's not like we linger. So I think for me, the worst deaths are Manny when he gets his eye sniped by Tommy um, mm. and Jesse when he gets his cheek blown off by Abby. Yeah. Yeah. Neither of those are lingered on. Like the camera right. specifically does not linger on them. Uh, also Nora, who Ellie beats with like right. a metal pipe. The camera does not show that either. Right. Um, so I think the game, I think the people making the game were aware of the not just the marketing but also the concern of violence right. being fetishized and i think they did actively work to make it seem less so um i understand why people might think that way especially because we all have different tolerances and thresholds for, sure. for violence but um yeah I, I i didn't feel like it fetishized violence and um i think putting that notion and the onus on the player for quote unquote feeling bad it, it's faulty and, and it doesn't work to its favor and I I think the whole dog thing I remember feeling extremely bad about the dog but it wasn't in that <laughs> section it was in the section where 
hours after like so in the first section again you play as Ali and while you're playing as Ali when she's infiltrating the aquarium to try to talk to Owen and Mel in order to find out where Abby is um she kills the dog as she enters the aquarium just because the dog is able to sniff her out I forget about that moment almost immediately especially because of everything that happens after that in like an hour comes when you can play with the dog because you're now playing as Abby and you're at the WLF settlement um, and you see her way of life and the way that they have dogs and animals and families and whatnot all in a camp that did absolutely nothing for me. When I felt bad was when hours later, as Abby, I go back to the aquarium mm. after having oh, gone yeah. Yeah. Uh, with love to uh, to Haven, and you come back and you see the dog dead on the floor, and that yeah. is when my heart broke. And it it felt. I think it worked because it felt much less cheap, much less emotionally manipulative, and like a oh, feel bad about the dog that you just killed by playing pet with it. Yeah. Mm. Or like, yeah, that's for or, sure. Or when Yara and Abby play fetch with the dog before Abby leaves uh, to find love. Like, that is so touching and so much more effective for me. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, just, and yeah, we, all that. And we mentioned uh, marketing, and if you've listened to the review cast, you know we've been pretty vocal about how shitty the marketing for this game has been. But I think one area in particular that it's really kind of the bad end of the marketing is uh, Jackson. So there's mm. uh, early on. So the game is broken up into to three locales. It's Jackson, uh, Wyoming, question mark. Mm. I think yeah. it's, it's Wy- Wyoming, right? It's Wyoming. Yeah. And then we go to Seattle, which is like probably 80% of the game. And then there's a tail end, like a prologue at Santa Barbara, where you do like a mission as Abby and Ellie, uh, respectively. Um, the Jackson stuff is makes up, I would say maybe like three hours, three. It's, it's more or less a tutorial on, on, yeah. uh, the mechanics of the game, riding your horse, uh, how to deal with like your basic runners, how to deal with your basic clickers. But a lot of the trailers kind of mislead what's happening in Jackson. And mm. I, I'm not, I'm, I don't know. It's just the marketing of this game is really weird and how Jackson, it, it, it makes Jackson feel like a, a a grander part, I feel like. And also there's just cutscenes they showed where Joel was older in, in some yeah. parts that were flashbacks. It's all very weird to me. Like I understand wanting to hide that Joel died. Um, I really don't think they should have. I feel like they should have been pretty upfront with that. I feel like if they were upfront uh, that Joel dies within the first like hour or two of the game, it's not a big twist. It's not a big like well, turn. I feel like it. <laughs> yeah. I'm with Kenneth on this one. I, I think it's worth preserving, but I think they went, in such clumsy ways about it that just right. marketed the worst and reinforced mm. the worst worries that people had with right. this game. There should have been more awareness as to the worries that people were going to develop when they saw that first trailer, which is the fetishiz- the fetishization of violence and also with the handling of that trailer, the bury your gaze trope and that trope is, and worries about that trope basically come along with any um, media that involves queer women being in a relationship because historically that's what we've gotten a lot of the time. So regardless of, if it, of whether it would have been marketed exactly as how it was, that worry would have still been present, especially in a deadly post-apocalyptic world about murder and tragedy at all corners. Um, 
but they leaned into that in order to mm. preserve the Joel um, twist. And that was such a huge mistake. And I have spoken with a few people at Naughty Dog who have said like, yeah, the, the marketing could have been a lot better. Um, yeah. It was a little frustrating to have to deal with that. Um, and I, I think the game speaks for itself. I think the text is so thoughtful and considerate and wonderful and nuanced and loving in a sense that mm-hmm. um, it's those worries are ultimately unfounded. But I was I spent the whole game braced for it to go wrong, and I absolutely right. understand people's concerns going into this. Yeah. Um, it's it's right. undeniable and so i just uh, you know naughty dog doesn't need me being like i hope people give this game a chance but i do right. hope <laughs> i'm, I'm sure it's don't. gonna do just fine yeah it's gonna do just no. fine I, which brings us to the point that we brought up last time this does not need this did not need a typical marketing cycle right. for no, it to do well this would have sold millions regardless of the marketing cycle they could have gone slightly totally silent for an entire year come back with like ellie being like yeah maybe we really are the last of us and people would have <laughs> ate that shit up like, <laughs> like, like, fine. all they needed is her to say that and they'll be like yep we're buying it you're right you know what what if ellie is the last of us exactly. take my 60 dollars so it did not mm. need a typical marketing cycle the marketing no. cycle that it did was absolutely detrimental to the game um i'm glad that we have a much more diverse uh, journalism industry in which several queer writers like me kenneth uh julie muncie and so many other talented people especially queer women um are able to say like hey like marketing was not great at selling what this actually is and Although the experiences will range across the board, and I'm sure there will be some very valid criticism of Ellie and Dina and Lev and so on and so forth, ultimately, from what I know of my experience, from Kenneth's experience, from the experiences of friends who are trans who have reviewed this game and other LGBT friends who are playing through this game, it is a lot more thoughtful than the marketing gave Mm. it credit for. And... um, that's unfortunate, but at the end of the day, again, uh, Naughty Dog doesn't need me simping for them to be like, no. please, please reassure yourselves. The game is fine. I promise you can <laughs> trust that it's it, it'll speak for itself. And I hope exactly. that people listen to, especially queer people, when we continue to write about this game and share our experiences. Good and negative, um, yeah. and not discount the voices that happen to line up with someone's idea of what good queer representation is especially in a triple a game um Mm. and what deviates from that like it's we can't just selectively ignore queer voices and marginalized voices when it conveniences us and that has certainly been a problem in the beginning of what will be a very long very complicated discourse about a very no. complicated game. You know, we're just not going to, you know, just delete Twitter. As Stephen as Stephen <laughs> Strong uh, would say, just get rid of Twitter. Who needs it? We don't need it right now. I, can't, I need uh, Haley Grouse to know how much I love the game. <laughs> I keep tweeting about it and be like, oh man, I can't wait to read fan fiction of it. And she like finally <laughs> favorites it. Both and of I'm you like, have had tweets liked by Haley Gross, and I am very jealous because she has not liked any of mine. <laughs> and now I need to, now that needs to be my mission for, for the week is 
to get Haley Gross to like one tweet, and I will she have completed so the try the try uh, triforce. She's so good. We need to at least dedicate right. like even a minute of this podcast to the fact that she did an incredible job. Mm, absolutely. I have heard of the things that she has done for the better of the project, and I really think. The soul of The Last of Us 2, those like beautiful silent moments between Ellie and Dina that communicate so much, the relationship between Lev and uh, Abby, just all the nuance and the heart contained in those. I really, really think that I'm sure, you know, Druckmann had, of course, a lot to do with it as a director and whatnot, but I think this project so deeply benefited from mm. Haley Gross's involvement and I hope that she gets the proper acknowledgement that she does for yep. it I'm not sure she will just because that's how it works men tend to get most of the credit even when women are working alongside them but uh yeah just like shout outs to Haley Gross for really I, I think I think her contributions were a big part of why this game worked for me to the point that it's probably my favorite game ever and that I did not like the first Last of Us. I think this Mm. really benefited from having a woman writing it, co-writing it, and for having a lot of, from what I hear, constant development feedback from queer people, marginalized people, women of Mm. color, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so... Oh, Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead well, I was going to say we've uh, we got forty five minutes into this, and we haven't talked about Joel. And no, we have not. We've let's, talked about let's, nothing. So this is going to be a long one. Let's let's talk about let's talk about the best dad. Let's talk about Joel. <laughs> so, from a person that so I consider like the, the first Last of Us to be one of my favorite games of all time. It is largely the reason that I decided to start writing about video games. So, going into the Last of Us Part Two, there was like a lot of hesitation for me in terms of how it was going to treat the story that I held so closely. Um, the The game starts out in a way that was like almost jarring because you have Joel and Tommy talking about the end of the last game and how Joel literally killed dozens of fireflies and, you know, one of the, probably one of the last brain surgeons alive in the world all to save Ellie. And it was jarring to me to hear the ending, like, them just, like, putting their fingerprints all over this, like, thing that a lot of people consider to be, like, this pristine, crystallized thing that they put on a shelf and they don't want to, like, it doesn't need to be messed with. And that was, you know, the mindset from a lot of people that didn't want a sequel. And so for me, I was like, it needs to be able to pay, like, an homage to that and be respectful of it while also, you know, continuing to another game. So, like, right off the bat, it's like, that's not going to be that sacred thing you think it was. It's not. We're going to examine it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to, like, deal with the fallout of it. Like, and I think that was just like a really, it was like the intro I needed for it to be because it needed to be the thing where they're like, this thing that was so precious to you is not, like, beyond our deconstruction. And in retrospect, like, I feel like, this the level of ambiguity of that first game which basically boiled down to is this man going to get away with what he did and whether that's you know by the fireflies or not or just like his daughter figure knowing what he did and like whether or not she can forgive him for that and 
you know, the conversation about whether or not she actually understood the, the scope of what happened, you know, those to me, maybe seven years ago, that was an interesting w- way to lead things off. But now that we've gotten far removed from it, I'm like, it felt important to me that we discuss like we like we live in a, a last of us universe where that is something that at least the two people who mattered could talk about it and like deal with it and not be this whole secret thing and which was you know leading up to and you know maybe maybe like i don't want to say i quote unquote, fell for the marketing but like right. the marketing had been just so that like i went into this game expecting dina to be the reason that ellie was going out to seattle to like track people down they had hurt her in the way that they had and i think if that had been the case not only would it have been annoying from like a barrier gay standpoint or just like that it would have basically involved somebody that the story wasn't ever really about you know and not to say that you know not to say that i don't love dina and like her role in this but like even with that that drama and like that, the way that relationship plays out, this is still a story about Joel and Ellie. And yes. so I think the flashbacks do a lot to, yeah. to really help that out. Cause I, th- I feel like that's going to be a problem that some people are going to have is that there's, there's a perception that there's not a lot of Joel. A lot of people already know, unfortunately mm. that Joel does bite it kind of within the first right. few hours. And then there's a perception of like, well, we'll probably won't see Joel again for the next 30 yeah. hours, except for like yeah. maybe one or two cutscenes. But like, there's a pretty like there's lengthy. There's so much Joel, y'all. Yeah. yeah there's, and, a, there's, and, a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Joel like, cutscenes, but there's yeah. also really like really good. My friend Julie Muncy's incredible review over at the wired of the game and in which she dissects how this is a daughter game, which is sort of this emerging new subset of games that are a response to dad games, but that work only because they are unable to escape the father's shadow. Right. Because if you veer, this, like Kenneth says, this is ultimately a story about Joel and Ellie at the end of the day as much as it is about Ellie and Abby's respective uh, individual narratives Mm -hmm. and so it's like if the game veered too much away from Joel and Joel and Ellie it wouldn't have worked for a lot of people a lot of people aren't that okay with totally you know a game specifically about women and their individual struggles yet not just because so so this had to be really integral like like this story had to be really intertwined with joel not just because Mm. of the specific story that it is but because unfortunately that Mm. is how the daughter game works and i really recommend that piece it is essential reading it is my favorite review along with kenneth's on mm. the game uh julie muncie's <laughs> review on wired of the yeah. last of us two go check it out okay i'm done yeah. think, so I, well just I, to I, like go ahead just to like kind of cap off i guess the jacks and stuff like it because i was the, the marketing had been just so like it didn't hit me for like a a, a good minute what was actually happening in front of me because like you know we play as abby before the scene starts, we lead Joel and Tommy in, and then she just blows his leg off, and like they pin him down, and like the entire time I'm like, okay, we're switching to Ellie, we got, we're gonna go in there and save him, and like it didn't hit me for like basically until the point where the final killing blow happened. That like, no, Joel is gone. Like this is like that is the actual setup for this game, and I. I'm, uh, for those that know me, like I am a big crier when it comes to like like video games, movies, whatever. 
10 straight minutes of just like repeated like resurgences of me just sobbing of like they joel is gone like that's like before i put this game into my ps4 that was not the case but joel is gone now and now i have to like reckon with that and like what that means for the story that meant so much for me and then you know, then we go to his house and like there it's covered in flowers and cards. Yeah, it's, it's no, a lot. like and you know, we we pick up his watch, we can look at the picture of him and Sarah from the first game. All of this is tied into there is like a general sense of uneasiness uneasiness around how we're supposed to feel about this character because we don't really know for sure what the state of their relationship was at the end, because you know, at the end of the first game we kind of get a sense Ellie knows what actually happened. And then when we see her in the, that first scene, that first like flashback when she brings Ellie the guitar and it's like, you could, there's still an uneasy, like it doesn't feel as natural and like these two gel like they used to, but we don't know to what extent Ellie knows anything at this point. So then like you were saying, Colin, the flashbacks I think is like, it's such a wild thing to like see this man who, we still in our head associate like this violent killer who destroyed, you know, any chance of humanity ever like recovering from this, uh, this cordyceps virus. And, but it's all, there's like this jarring disconnect because like he has become basically who he was before this all happened. He has found a purpose. He has found this daughter that he loves. It has kind of like brought that back in. And like, he talks like straight up like a fucking Southern dad. Like you, like he lifts up the thing and he's like, Oh, you're too skinny. You need to start eating more. And I was like, there's and like he like the, the museum like he does these huge grand gestures of like like really like being invested in you know like you no know, technically not his daughter but like his daughter figures interests in a way that goes beyond like shit that most parents ever do like like right. when we when we go into his house after he's passed he has like a book on his desk or like his nightstand that's something like astronomy for dummies or something like you know he is like so like any track down museum yeah. pamphlet yeah yeah and then like, where he's trying to just get guitar strings uh for ellie uh mm-hmm. he like goes out of his way to just go try to get them for her right yeah and, and then, then, like then he tracked down audio of a of a spaceship going off so she could pretend that she was in oh that was so that a was rocket so launch good. like and it's, it's always like almost every single one of those uh flashbacks ends with like this little tinge of like but something's not right. Like in, at the museum, we look at firefly graffiti that calls them liars when like, cause like there's, you know, there was an ex firefly that was like, Oh, we believed in them for so long and they brought us nothing. But then, then Ellie and Joel just kind of look at it and then awkwardly leave. And then when they're at the hotel, Ellie's got to be like, I have all these burning questions. It's been years. And I know this, and I know I keep bringing this up, but all of this, just something seems off here until she finally goes to that hospital and finds evidence that yeah what she had feared happened is what happened and that scene where they like she breaks it off with them and is like i i want nothing more to do with you was heartbreaking and like when i kept leaving on those beats like there was always that part of me that was like he died thinking that she hated him and of all the like we'll save that last flashback for the end when i guess we'll get to santa barbara stuff but like Joel might be gone, but like that story is not perfectly closed by any point in this game. Like, right. even when it's over, like, Ellie's got to kind of like live with what she knows and like what she's willing to let go or hold on to and like what parts of him she wants to remember. 
And it's 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 it can it can be like we we've said uh, before in our review cast. It's a very emotionally taxing game. It mm-hmm. can it can really kind of drain you. Um, but I mean, there are and a lot of it is through the story. But there's also like a, a lot of some really kind of. I think the gameplay does kind of a, a good job of also reflecting that kind of emotional weight, whether kind of it's the heaviness of the attacks or uh, the choices you kind of have to make in the level design. Uh, Naughty Dog's done a really outstanding job uh, elevating The Last of Us gameplay. And I say that as somebody who didn't like the originals that much. Like I always thought it was kind of very mediocre. And, and I feel like this game did a really, really good job. And obviously... We want to talk about Santa Barbara. We want to talk about the ending, the farmhouse. But mm. before we get there, uh, I think it would be a crime to not actually uh, kind of go over our thoughts. Like now that we're uh, free of embargo, what did what did you kind of think of the overall gameplay? Because I know mm. uh, I, I was I was I was skeptical going in that I would like the actual like kind of moment to moment gameplay. I've always been very wary uh, of this game because it's I don't know it's just never been that great, but. I feel like the the gameplay really clicked for me the second day of Seattle uh, Mm. when you're with Ellie and you have a little more freedom, you have a little more gear, uh, you start encountering more uh, diverse types of enemies and and different encounters. And I think my favorite level is the bit where uh, you're playing as Abby. And I I mentioned this. I didn't forget it. (laughs) Uh, There's a bit in Abby that's really good horror uh, setting and design where you're in a hotel and you have to climb down an infected hotel. Oh, that so, part is like, so good. So the, the the middle of the hotel is basically blown out, and and it's got rafters and beams, and it's full of infected. But like, and that's fine. But there's a the the catch for this area, like the gimmick, is some of the infected because it's so overgrown or infused into the walls. So and there's and there's regular people just infusing the walls too, but you don't know which ones are which. You have to like really look at them. And if you get too close, they'll pop out and attack you, which then blows your stealth, which then gets everybody chasing at you. And it's really, really masterful tension building. And I really kind of like was excited. But the and I, it, it's. It's nice to see Naughty Dog lean into the horror more. Uh, mm. We see this also at the hospital where Abby has to retrieve some medical supplies to help. Uh, it was Yara, right? Help mm. Yara no. get the medical supplies. Um, she's got like a, uh, it's like the patient zero area of infected. So that's where, where like the infection started in Seattle. It's been sealed off. It's like where it's at its worst. And there's like a new type of infected there that's just like, did you guys ever play Inside where it's yep. like that big Literally ball? Literally the exact same thing I thought of. Yes. Just like a big ball of limbs that just rolls around yes. and chases Ellie and chases Abby. And at first, it can seem really comical, but like they do a really good job of making it threatening because I'm pretty sure just one hit kills you when it just yeah. touches you. Like it just yeah. immediately rips her in half. Yeah, and even if it's like ridiculous as it might look, they also like do a pretty decent job of like grounding it in the way that this world works that like, you know... We, we, we've seen like, you know, really like people that have been infected for a very long time. They like they literally just kind of like blend into the walls because like the infection gets so far. And so like if you know you think about it long enough, like the ways in which that would be a possible thing, just like this mass of infected people all together. It's like, OK, that makes sense and is also awful to look at and terrifying and a, kind of a pretty tough fight too. like the, there aren't a whole lot of boss fights in here, but like. It generally does kind of boil down to like, do you have explosive things that you can throw at them? 
If not, keep running and hope you can find ones to make yeah. explosive things because he's going to kill you if you don't. If you yeah. let him get too close. I thought it was interesting you could sneak past the second bloater encounter. Uh, like you don't even have to fight him when you are in the in the hotel and you like drop down and it's like that long ass hallway and he's at the end. You could literally just like sneak right by him if you if you if you kill all the guys, mm. which I think is it's an interesting design decision. Uh, I know Natalie, you kind of sped through it just for the sake of time. You unfortunately didn't have kind of a longer period with I mean Kenneth did. What kind of what were your thoughts kind of on the gameplay and because like Abby and Ellie like while they are virtually. Like they they do play similarly. There's also some really interesting differences. Like Ellie yeah. has to yeah. use shivs, and Ellie can has infinite stabs and different abilities. I kind of want to like, what did you think? Even though you were kind of going at bit probably more of a breakneck pace than most people should for this game. <laughs> 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 Pain. Uh, well, I am replaying it now, and I'm I'm taking my time with it, and. I've come to the conclusion that... So I did all the puzzles. I did absolutely everything. Um, I managed to somehow do everything the first time around. Um, Jesus. Because I didn't realize how deep the accessibility options for this game are. Like, they are incredible um and my favorite part of the gameplay is how deeply i can attune it so that i don't have to do that much gameplay um like i fucking love proning myself on the ground in front of someone (laughs) like right in front of their face and having that accessibility option on where like you are just invisible if you are prone so good uh i love the ability to skip puzzles so good. I already did them once. I'm good without doing them again. It, it allows me to just experience the story how I want to. I definitely recommend people to do them the first time around. Um, but I say this as someone who generally, like, that part of a game is always the least important part of a game for me. For me, it's the story and the mm. ways in which the mechanics intertwine with the story. Sure. Um, of course. But the gameplay itself, the puzzles, all that. I was good. Like, I'm very... I'm having a blast not doing a lot of it. Uh, So, and and I mean that genuinely, not just for my own laziness, but genuinely, again, it has to be reiterated as we did in our review podcast. The accessibility options in this game are incredible. They are are the the new standard. They are absolutely just phenomenal. They are the standard as to how every AAA game should um, hmm. tackle accessibility because they are incredible. Just phenomenal. It, it, it's something I would like to see in every game. Standardized. Especially ones like, that are... Because Last of Us 2 can be very difficult if you're, if you're sure. not... Because I'm playing my second playthrough on the next difficulty up. I think it's survival. Um, I'm playing on the harder difficulty my second time through. And it's it can be... Even on normal, it can be quite brutal because uh, enemies are very unforgiving. They're very unpredictable. And it, it, it's sex, <laughs> accessibility. That is the word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's something I feel like we're only talking about more now which is, is of course important but it's something that we should always look on and Naughty Dog has definitely set the standard that I would like to see all games especially ones where the gameplay is quite difficult like you're from software games kind of like uh, kind of take take notice because it's it can help a lot even if you're you even if it's like you're not actually like handicapped and you're just finding a section of the game very difficult it can be very uh, helpful, but not like condescending in the way it mm-hmm. presents itself. It's it'll offer you a hint. Uh, the hint doesn't like finish it for you. You can uh, 
you can go through all that if you really do need to, but it does, it, it never feels like it's, it's like, hey, little buddy, you having a trouble with the big puzzle? Let me just solve that for you. It, yeah. it, it's, it's very respectful and yes. understanding that uh, people do enjoy uh, accomplishing the, the gameplay and it just gives you different ways and different uh, methods to go about it. So yes, 100% Naughty Dog should get all of the praise in the world for its accessibility. Yes. And and uh, I know we're we're, thought we're 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 going on an hour now, and mm. we still we still got one major section left. This one's we gonna got, be a long one. There's so much. Yeah, this to is gonna be about. this is the, this is strap in. There's so. so much to there's so much news to this writing. I I wanted to get some quick thoughts. Uh, I promise it won't be too long, but some quick thoughts on the Joel stuff. As someone sure. mm. as someone I choked. Uh, as someone who uh, did not like the first game, largely because I didn't like Joel, it worked for me here. And the, the writing in this game is so complex and so nuanced that it works not because it relies solely on you caring about Joel, for it wouldn't have impacted people like me who didn't really care about Joel in the first game, but mm. it also relies on the fact that for some people, like I realized it in the moment because of the little tidbits of context we get through Ellie and Dina's conversations about how, uh, like, you know, Dina asks her, are you and Joel, like, good again? And it's very, there's a lot of trepidation and uncertainty there. So and for some people it uh, that I've talked to, it took a little bit more, like, into like laid into the game for them to realize like what was really happening but when Joel dies it's so heartbreaking not just because it's Joel that dies um because I like I said I didn't really connect with him but it's heartbreaking if you care about Allie and you certainly if you don't care about Joel you at least care about Allie like I did in the first game and it's because in that moment she is so violently taken she is so finally robbed of the opportunity to heal. And I think we all know what it feels like to want conclusion and to never get it. Um, even when there's not someone murdering the other person to stop us from getting that closure, just not getting any closure period is something that is so hard to reconcile emotionally with for a lot of people, including myself. And so I recognize in the moment that like, it was just so heartbreaking because she was never going to get that closure. She was never going to watch that moment movie uh she was never going to watch what is it called like vipers something two like chains and vipers i don't remember but she was planning to watch a movie with joel that night mm -hmm. she will never get to do that ever again she will never be it, able to give him a chance to it was it was vipers i'm gonna just headcanon it that she was in fact going to watch that movie <laughs> yeah, they, de they she, deserved that moment together yeah they they deserved it and it was so gruesomely and horribly taken away from her and if it doesn't, you know, if you're worried, oh, that's not going to work for me because I didn't really give a fuck about Joel. I didn't either. And then I give a fuck about Joel through the flashbacks <laughs> and through mm. realizing what had been taken away from Ellie. It's so, the writing is so nuanced and so powerful. Um, so I just wanted to quickly touch on that before we get to the really, uh, the super interesting parts of the yeah. game like the rest of the game is very interesting but what the game does with a series of fake out endings after mm. the uh ali and abby fight ellie and abby fight in the theater that we've sort of been trying to circle back to that's when the game gets extremely right. interesting and experimental and where you see things that 
you probably haven't seen in other video games and what really makes it land, I think. So I I am of both for and against the ending, which may sound surprising to mm-hmm. you too, but I yeah. I I'm not a huge fan of the so for to to before we go into it, um for those that don't know, uh that are just kind of don't care about the spoilers, uh when you get to the end of the game after Abby absolutely whoops Ellie's ass, uh Ellie is left for basically beaten but alive, and Abby more or less did it to send a message. And then the game jumps forward. Uh, I would say it's like a, a year, about a year. Yeah. I think it's like a year, year and a half. They're the uh, child that has been born, so it's got to have been a yeah, pretty long time. The child has been born. Uh, he's probably the child's probably like a little under a year. Yeah. And Ellie and Dina are living together on a farm, living their uh, best life. They're, yeah, they're they're living the best life. Like it, this is like where I was like, yes, but like uh, the Ali, uh, Ali, Ellie is uh, you play as Ellie again, and you are kind of just going through your day, and then Tommy shows up, um, who explains that he's kind of been looking for Abby the whole time, and he finally found her. And so Ellie, who is still kind of has to finish her mission to get uh, revenge for Joel, kind of gives in to her anger, gives in to her uh, her rage and, and leaves Dina and their child to go hunt for Abby. He plays a small section with Abby where she gets captured by like slavers. And then you play as Ellie. And this is all in Santa Barbara, which is a very new location. Mm. And you could have just made the entire next game about this. And I would have been 100% on board because it's very interesting. That, that entire location looked like it could have been a really cool area for new types of infected. But this is, I digress. Uh, you, you basically... Uh, hunt down uh, Abby who got captured by slavers, which culminates in uh, Abby and Ellie fighting next to a boat where uh, Ellie gets her fingers bitten off, uh, two of her fingers bitten off, uh, but Ellie wins the fight, um, but she does not kill Abby. Kind of in the last moment, she realizes that this is not what Joel wants. This is not who Joel was raising her to be, and she releases Abby and lets her and Lev escape. And then she kind of goes home, but the house is empty. Dina has left her and she's kind of hurt. And the, and the game kind of ends with her kind of just a new chapter of her life. Her family's kind of left her. I think it kind of teases that if they do do a last of us three, it's going to be her looking for Dina and Please. their child. Um, but I, about you. Please. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, um, so the ending is very good. Let me let me, mm-hmm. let me be clear. I like the ending. I like the way. I like the ambiguity of Ellie's choice. I like that Ellie decides to give in to her revenge to go hunt Joel. It feels very natural for her character. Um, I think the section in Santa Barbara is very well done, especially the end fight. I'm really not big on the fact that the game like kind of crescendos three or four times before we get here, though. Like it, it has a mm-hmm. lot of sections that you're like. All right, this is the definitive ending. This is this is where yeah. the game's gonna end, and then it kind of like goes like, "Oh, we got you! Oh, we got gotcha. you!" Like, I feel like I had like a solid two to three hour anxiety attack because yeah. I read the leaks. One of the the leak that we were alluding to that was false was primarily that Ellie dies at the end. Mm. Ellie yes. does not die at the end, but I had read the leaks and. I have the memory of a hag, but it was good enough to remember two leaks. One, Joel dies. Two, 
Ellie dies at the end and every fake out ending gave me <laughs> such an anxiety attack that it was so hard for me to not message Ken like can you please just assure me that Ellie doesn't die because like I wanted to keep the surprise for myself and see where this went but I was I was absolutely losing it I I personally on the other hand I, I love what they did even though it gave me like legitimately a three hour anxiety attack at like like I don't know like was it four in the morning because I went to sleep at 7 a.m after I finished it so I, I rated that same problem too I got to Santa Barbara like I think around 11 o'clock and I'm like all right well I mean I'll just finish the game this is this has to be like it felt 30 like minutes the long. four ending at the farm like and this, then I was like all right we're set and then nope <laughs> and then no, yeah I was like all right this is 30 minutes like tops and like two hours later I'm like son of a bitch it's still going <laughs> but I, I, I don't know uh, what is uh I, I I like the ending, the, the 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 real ending. But like, what did what did you kind of think of, of how Santa Barbara? We'll start with you, Ken. What did you think of that kind of entire section uh, of the game? Because it's 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 both the same and very different. I would mm-hmm. say. I think I am of several minds here because so we talk about like the quote unquote fake out endings, but it felt like there were points where certain arcs had not concluded that needed to before the game could really kind of cut to black and be done. Cause like in the theater, Abby is the one who is the one that like has the agency in that situation to be like, I'm washing my hands of this. I'm done where Ellie has kind of been made to be done. Like she's not allowed. She's not been able to come to that conclusion on her own. She has just been absolutely whooped and thus has to stop because she has been given no other choice. But there was part of there, there. I was talking to some people that like felt not great about Ellie, like having living living her best life and then kind of throwing it all away just to pursue this. Because yes, it's sad that like she has basically a life that she could only dreamed of at this point. Where she's got her super hot girlfriend. She got their kid. They're like living their best lives, which I mean, we. We haven't really talked that much about the Ellie Dina relationship now that I'm thinking about it. Um, uh, we totally need to. Which we, we can put a pen in that. But yeah, put in that. Getting to Santa Barbara, and it as frustrated as I was with Ellie, and like, I want to grab her by her shoulders and be like, "No, look at what you have. Look at what you can keep if you just let this go." I understood that like she needed to come to that conclusion on her own, not because she was forced to by being beaten up in a theater. Um, the interesting stuff about Santa Barbara as like a kind of a locale is aesthetically it doesn't look like anything else that in this game like there's like a very interesting sort of you know like we're, we're on the beach it's so very cheerful yeah like it, weirdly <laughs> enough it, like it it feels like a juxtaposition of like everything the, the game's actually saying but you know a lot of this game takes place in one city so everything kind of looks the same whereas and interestingly, like, it, like the 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 best looking place is like has like the worst fucking people. Yeah. Like these are probably more terrible than the Seraphites of the WF. Like these are like the game does absolutely nothing at all to try to humanize the last group of like people you meet in this game. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I mean, like for for context, they are these hunters that basically capture people that they infect to use as like traps in their bases. Um. So. 
it's one of the like you know this is where the game like still leans into self but at this point but like you are kind of given more leeway to be as aggressive as you need to because you get a silenced smg and you know the the encounters are with people that aren't necessarily you know people that have melee weapons or things that like you can more readily uh stealth around like you you are in full-blown firefights most of this um but it also had the point like you know I had, unfortunately, I had seen the the fake leak that Ellie was going to die at the end of this game, so I didn't have any context for that. But when she got like impaled on the, in the side on um, by the by the tree, like the cut off tree branch, I was like, "That's what's gonna kill Ellie." Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, I was like, "Fuck, we didn't just had, go through had, all that for." I had, the, I had the same thing. I'm like, "All right, she's gonna get to the end. She's gonna fight, kill Abby, and then she's, she's gonna die from her blood." Such a bad way by that fucking tree. Like, she does not recover from that in a way no. she recovers from everything else. And I was just like, no, "Please don't tell me it's a fucking tree that kills my girlfriend." <laughs> so I think I think that was just more of a fake out moment. But that that moment was a little weird to me. Like it's. So given all of the though, bullshit you've she, done with she, Abby, like mm-hmm. the fact that like the tree branch, like she just couldn't fit, like she's 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 suffered so much worse, and we've made her suffer so much worse in the game from all the infected attacking her. That like I don't know, like the tree branch part felt like it was it was a little too superficial at trying to like dig an emotion out. I don't know. I felt like it worked just because like she was visibly really struggling with it and I think she didn't have the same drive that she did before I think I think willpower can go a long way in the ways in which we heal and deal with physical injuries just like that's scientifically proven our mental state and the ways that we like face tragedies and whatnot are the physical uh, the physical pain is uh like impacted by like our mentality in some forms to some extent and so here ellie's not with dina she's not with jesse she's not with a support system she just literally left what what's basically her wife and her child her entire family so i think i think she is in a very different spot emotionally and i think being on her own i think is what really made the difference like I felt I felt like the injury was grave enough on its own, but just like after all the shit that her body has been put in, like through, and as well as the specific circumstances she's in, in which she's alone, is was very um just very poignant for me. And like I, I was legitimately scared she would die on the way. I was like, please not. Mm-hmm. Like just just like you can go a little further for your revenge. It's fine. You've you've gone mm-hmm. this far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and- there's I think it does a really really good job especially the farmhouse um, uh, of establishing Dina and Ellie's relationship uh, in a way that feels not only both believable but really tragic and in, in the yeah. way that Ellie ultimately and it was I, I think it, it says a lot again to the correct so that we should this is where Haley uh, Grossman gets her like her her moments but like um their relationship was really, really well developed between Ellie and Dina. I think it really shows in the quiet moments you have when you're kind of walking around with their kid and you're kind of just enjoying the the moment of, of clarity, of, of happiness. Uh, and then it's, it's, it's a lot. Like, it's the first time I think the entire game 
where I wasn't on team uh, let's go kill Abby because she killed Joel <laughs> um, uh, because I really didn't want Ellie to abandon her her, her relationship here because I, I, I kind of figured that that's what was going to happen is that Dina wasn't going to be around and it's it's really well done and it's really beautiful and I think mm. The Last of Us 2 does incredible work that a lot of games botch which is the quieter moments between the action between the horror between the violence that it really takes the time to to breathe and let us really kind of like get a feeling for the the two characters and a lot of it is the credit to the writing and the voice acting i think yeah and i think it was also nice that like despite the easy setup it would have been for there to be a very specific tension between Ellie and Dina throughout the whole game. Dina's just like a rock star the whole time, like super supportive. Like, I understand where you're coming from. I'm not here to be like the naggy girlfriend that like tells you that, oh, we shouldn't be doing this anymore. Like, no, she is like on board. She is ride or die until it gets to that moment where she's like, okay, we did what you needed to do. We both agreed on like these parameters for our relationship that we would, uh, you know, be done with this and we move on and our family is here and then when finally ellie's like but actually no that's when dina's finally like okay you have fundamentally betrayed my trust here of like what i thought we were doing and there were so many points where i thought they were gonna pull that and like not that that isn't justified drama but it is also like i have seen that a million times like give me like other versions of their relationship that are kind of more Maybe like specifically about the aspects of the relationship that they have to deal with beyond like, this is hard. Can we stop? And, you know, that comes into like where Dina finds out that she's pregnant and Ellie has to deal with like how she feels about that. And Dina having to like kind of juggle. I am with this person. The father of my child has just shown up, but I am still with you. And this is not some love triangle. We are all adults here that can manage our feelings and like I can be you know, pregnant with this man's baby, but not having to, like, I'm still, like, directly I said on you. Right. And I know you've been pretty vocal about your love for Dina, Natalie. If if not publicly with us, uh, <laughs> what did you kind of think of, of that kind of ending with between them, their, their relationship and kind of how it climaxed uh, at the farmhouse there? Um, I've been silent because I've, like, like I'm already tearing up without even oh, talking no. about <laughs> it. Um, no, I knew this would happen. But I'm gonna try to be concise about it. Um, so I guess I'll I guess I'll start off by saying something funny, which is that at, uh, in the kitchen when you go down to meet Dina, she mentions that they that she left Ollie outside. I thought Ollie was a fucking dog. So I spent, like, literally, I checked the menu. It was seven minutes by the time that I found (laughs) out what to do. But I had spent the entire seven minutes after that roaming around on the outside, searching for a fucking dog. And I was like, there's a tractor in the middle of the fields, but I don't. I, I don't see a wagging tail or a cat or anything. <laughs> I had no idea Ollie was a fucking like little like tiny miniature plushie that JJ probably like bites on regularly. Okay, I um, definitely did the same by the way. Yeah, oh my god, thank goodness. I was like, I broke the game. Oh my god, the dog is glitched out and I can't find it. And so I had a lot of time to sit with my feelings. And so first of all, there was the uh, adrenaline of 
wondering if Ellie was dead, especially with knowing the leaks that had come out that, again, were proven false uh, since Ellie does not die at the end. But I was, like, convinced. I was like, oh, my God, Ellie, this is where she died. No, this is where the leak happens. No. Um, <laughs> and then I see that she's alive, and it, it was such a relief. Um mm. And then, you know, she gets JJ, um, she walks throughout, you know, I took my time in exploring the house and like seeing the life that Dina and Ellie have created. And like we've said before, things change. Um, it doesn't take too long before Ellie has a, a PTS, she's, her PTSD is triggered and Tommy comes in and basically she embarks for Santa Barbara um, to find Abby. But until this moment, um, that was not something I was aware of. Um, I was just playing, you know, the game as it goes. So, um, so this like, so this part was so meaningful for me and I don't think I'll ever really forget it. <laughs> I remember it was like, I think it was like, 3 or 4 a.m., I don't know. And I was walking through the house, and, like, you pick the music that Tina asks you to play. And, you know, Ellie goes to the kitchen, and she, like, she dances with Tina. And, <laughs> like, it's, like, this really cute, romantic, like, sexual tension, but it's playful. And they have JJ, and they're, like, all hugging each other. And I saw that, and, like, I... Like, I walked through the house and, like, for me, like, like there's no discrediting the work, the immense work that goes into the queer indie space mm -hmm. um, when there is so much freedom for developers to tell the stories that they want and for more queer representation. But these right. are the games that I grew up playing, you know, like triple A games, like the games that I would see on the shelves, the games that were acceptable for me to play as a girl, you know, like the ones that, you know, I only knew of indie games and that is another conversation entirely as to how we define indie and what indie even means anymore. But I only knew of indie games when I started getting into this field, like right. four, three to four years ago. Before that, my entire life was comprised of playing mostly, you know, AAA games or games that were easily, you know, on the shelves that you didn't have to go looking for and, like, read reviews of and, like, search on Itch or Steam and whatnot. And so, like, there's... Me and Ken have talked about this issue that has arisen in the games journalism space where it feels like it, it, just because a, a game is triple a that it um sorry if you hear that in the background is it do you hear a machine in the oh. background it's my I mom don't, I, I don't hear anything okay okay good um there's this perception that if something is in a triple a game that it is inferior or that it is like not enough like that this representation is not enough or that it is mired in some way inherently because it is in a triple a game which i think is not only just super dismissive of the fact that like ellie and dina are not crumbs of representation in my opinion but also all the work that has been done by queer people on this team both mm -hmm. the ones that i know of specifically and the people that i don't know but whose contributions are obviously like important and there and who i'm sure 
gave a lot of feedback and played such a huge role in making this as touching as it is. Um, but yeah, like there's this perception that it has to be crumbs of representation just because it's a triple a game and like mm. these are the games that i grew up playing and like at least to this especially to the visual fidelity of the last of us 2 like i i had never seen my dream life depicted like that mm. um like like as a bisexual woman i've always seen you know, I've had no issue with seeing me portrayed in this future where I marry a man and where mm. I have a family with him. And that is a valid potential future for me because I am bisexual. But I have not had that realized with a woman. Mm. And, like, as I walked through the farmhouse and I and I saw, like, this beautiful life that, you know, Dina and Ellie had created... And that they had a family and that they they had the life. Like, this is literally the life that I want. Like, not not the farm stuff, because I've already had my fill with Harvest Moon and Stardew Valley <laughs> and all that stuff. But they, right. they define this on their own terms. Like, very early on in the game, when you first reach Seattle um, as Ellie and Dina, Dina, as you're walking around, she mentions that her dream is to live in a settlement outside of Jackson. And to raise farm animals and Ellie is like you do you want us to like milk sheep or like milk cows and like raise sheep and whatnot and she's like are you making fun of me and Ellie's like no actually that that kind of sounds like great actually like and Dina's like really and she's like yeah like that sounds and so them being able to define this life of happiness for themselves like as someone who has grown up in the ways that I have, like for a lot of personal and financial and just like family reasons, like I, I tend to sort of like not to get too personal or dramatic, but like I tend to assume that like whatever life that I want isn't for me. And, and that's why I work really hard. Um, like I haven't even graduated and I work really hard and I've accomplished a lot. I would like to think in this field and will continue to do my best to accomplish things. And I work really hard because I feel like if I don't overwork myself, like I, I'm incapable of getting the life that I wish to live someday. And so to like see that life painted like so effortlessly in front of me, like it was just so moving and like right. the idea of like like that is what i want like i want to marry i would like to marry a woman and have a family and you know live this life where we define it on our own terms and where things aren't perfect but you know we have each other and you know we can dance on a weekend over music <laughs> as one of us does the dishes and the other like does housework or something like that and we raise a child together and we sleep with the child in the bed and like like I have I don't think I've ever seen that portrayed in a game before especially not one that I loved this much mm, right. and I know yeah. that um, a queer woman of color worked on this level um, and so I just want to say like <laughs> I just want to say thank you <laughs> 
It's so silly. This is embarrassing. But like, no, it's, no, it's not fine. at all. It's fine, not at all, Natalie. It's, <laughs> like it, it, it it's important. So it's it's important that it's that we that it, these kind of things like resonate with, especially with the queer uh, community. Yeah, it it just meant so much to me to see it. Like it was like wow, like this is the life that I want, and maybe I can have it someday. And I didn't expect to see it here, especially in a game. Where there is so much misery and so much sadness, but like it, it was able to give me this, and like I, I will never forget that form section. Like, mm-hmm. like right. when I played through that part, I was just like, okay, like this game is going to mean something to me for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I just like, I, just Ellie and Dina in general. I have no complaints. They are so wonderful and so incredible and there is so much nuance and depth to them and and I really think this is the first time that I see a relationship like theirs just specifically centered at the forefront not like a side story like mm-hmm. they are part of yes. the core of this game and for it to be between a lesbian and a bisexual woman as a bisexual woman and for that bisexual woman to also have her bisexuality like really reckoned with in this mm-hmm. game because there's, you know, bi erasure is a thing, and I think a lot of people just sort of like, you know, they pretend that bi women or bi people are like gay when it's convenient or straight when it's not convenient for them, depending on who they're dating. Like the game, you know, makes you, makes you reckon with her bisexuality. Not that there is something to like reckon, but like, but like she she is bisexual. She is shown to explicitly like be bisexual, and like there are. You know, even when she's in a relationship with a woman, there are still consequences and effects of her being in a relationship with a man Mm -hmm. just like prior before, um, right before she got into that relationship. And just like, like, Ali and Dina means so much to me, honestly, like, like, I could never see this as crumbs. Like, this is like, this is the representation that I, that I want, that I needed as a girl. And that I mm. still need as a woman, and that I will still need for several years. And so that farm mm. section was just so powerful for me. And I knew I was going to cry talking about this because <laughs> it moves so much. And like every time that I've thought about talking about it in the shower, I've cried. And so I knew this was coming. <laughs> it's a lot. So I'm sorry for this happiness, but no, yeah, not at just, all. I this, the farm section was so important to me. Like I'll never forget it. And I think, and then I think I speak for for. Anyone who's basically played the game, especially people who are people of color or queer, it's 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 a remarkably respectful game of, of how it, of how it portrays everything. It's and then I realized that a lot of people that can that can be sometimes used as a buzzword in, in marketing or uh, in the way that tells the story. But the last was two uh, Haley Grossman and Neil Druckmann do a wonderful job of really kind of uh, making the, the the characters feel real and giving them the importance and the respect that they deserve, especially for people who are fans of Ellie and have stuck kind of with her through her mm-hmm. journey. And I, I would say that that is a good spot to end uh, our, our little, our discussion on it. So uh, Kenneth, do you have any closing thoughts on the last of us before we, uh, last of us part two, before we wrap it up here? We actually, we got one more thing we got to talk about. Yeah, oh, I, I feel like we still need to talk more about uh, 
Santa Barbara or just like the Ellie and Abby Specifically, part? Just, yeah, like, just, we could go like hours talking about I, I'm this. Okay. Yeah. I got I got the time, y'all. So as long yeah. as you and, and the oh, readers yeah. have the time, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, I, I think. This game forever. Yeah. I think. So, okay. I, like I said, I'm a big crier when it comes to like video games and movies. I was surprised at like the points where I didn't. I, I was surprised that I cried less in this game, but maybe like the points that I did were more uh, intense than they were last time. Because I got to say, this final fight with Ellie and Abby on the the shores of Santa Barbara, like again, I don't like necessarily equate this with guilt, but just like the desire to not do something had was so it was like hard. one of the, the strongest points for that for me because you know. There even there's almost a point where you think Ellie's just gonna walk away, and then she has a sudden flashback to Joel, and then she's like, "No, this this has got to happen now." And the thing that kind of is sticking to me, like the more I think on this game, she has that moment where she remembers the very last time she saw him, and he is, you know, he has taken the beating from Abby, and. When she gets on top of it, on top of Abby, she's holding her down. She's about to drown her, but then she remembers the last time she saw Joel, as she remembers him, like as this person that he was to her. And then she's like, "I have to, you know, I have to step away." That, you know, maybe maybe not in the same way as like the the farm stuff affected Natalie. Like the thing that I think hit me the most was like I'm getting teary, so like it's (laughs) totally okay. (laughs) No, I I should be okay. Um was this moment where she comes back to the farm, she's missing two of her fingers, she can't play the song that Joel, like, taught her to, like, teach her how to play guitar. And then so she has to think of this, like, the last time that she saw him well, and that she's, they had a conversation. Because like, they had spent all that time in these flashbacks making you feel like they probably, like, parted on bad terms. And here we get that moment where, like, she is, like, you know, she calls him out on, like, the things that he's been doing, like, behind, not behind her back, per se, but, like, you know, when they're not supposed, like, she, he's not supposed to be involved in her life. She's like, stop messing with my patrols. You don't need to come and defend me when I'm, got this bigot, like, saying awful things to me and Dina. And then he's kind of like, you know, we saw in a flashback, like, there was a point where Joel thought that Ellie had a crush on Jesse. And then, so, you get the point, like, at the point where he kind of is, like, wising up and he's like, so is Dina, you're your girlfriend and then ellie is like you know the, the relationship has not been established at this point so she's like no i don't even know what you're talking about that was a, a weird thing that she did and then he's kind of like cuts her off but you do like her right like i don't know what it is that i don't know what her intentions are but she'd be very lucky to have you that and part. Oh. i that was one of the, po- the points where it just fucking got to me because i was like all of these things that i was worried these people would not get to say to each other they did get to say to each other, or they at least got to leave on the note that they might one day. And that was like, I guess one of the most meaningful things to me is like, I spent this whole game being like, Joel is dead. And all of these parts of like all this closure that Ellie might not have. I am slowly learning that maybe she got a semblance of it. Maybe it's not satisfactory. She does not get to have Joel back in her life. She does not get to kill Abby and like have that catharsis. But she at least had that last moment with him where they didn't hate each other by the end. Like they were at a point where like there, there was a hope that they would be back to where they were before. Yeah. There was an understanding kind of at the very end that like, 
Abby beats uh, Ellie about uh, near the end, and then Ellie beats Abby, and then at the last moment, it's kind of a, I would say a moment where they both realize that like this feud between the two of them could d- absolutely destroy what's left of their lives. Right, which is not much at this point. Going. Barely anything because yeah. they're they're both like at the brink of death, and it's like they're so. It, like, you know they are molded by tragedy this entire time, but now there is a physical manifestation. Like, you see the way that Abby's hair has been shaved off. Mm-hmm. You see yeah. the injuries that Ellie is barely able to keep at bay. Like, you see the ways that they are just beating the shit out of each other and that chances are that one of them isn't going to come out of it or neither one of them is. Sorry, my voice is so like this. I'm still like sobbing and it's like stupid. Because <laughs> um, I was thinking of Joel and what he tells Ellie that like that he like if he had the choice he would do it all over again. Right. Yeah. And there was it's, it's, it's a lot. Sorry. No, no. no I'm like, a crybaby. <laughs> and I think it's, you know, you put yourself in Ellie's shoes. Like, there, you can kind of, like, take in that information and do with what you want. And, like, I don't, it's not necessarily enabling Joel, but it's just being like, this person means as much to me. What am I willing to forgive for what they've done? Like, and she even says, like, I don't think I can forgive you for that, but you are important enough to me for me to try. Like, yeah, she says, I'd like to try, though. And, like, like that's just so And then Joel's, important. like, quivers, and, like, he... He, mm. like, nearly breaks down. Yeah, <laughs> it's... It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Right, this game is so good. And I think that's <laughs> been, like, what I'm... What, what I am taking with me when I, like, put the last of this part two down is that, like, I want to remember the moments of the people in my life that when we were at our best, like not necessarily the worst parts of us. And it, by the time it was over, like I, you know, I came into this game skeptical about whether or not that should even exist. And it, it's not a perfect game, but it couldn't have more perfectly encapsulated what I needed a continuation of the story to be. And I think, I know Nat and I had like different reactions to it, but I am personally like perfectly fine with the way this game ends. Like Ellie kind of putting the guitar down, walking out of the place, and like we never see where she's going, but like we she kinda has to reckon with I guess like the wreckage that she has left in her wake and kind of like find out what's next for her. I know like I, like there is maybe a scenario where she goes looking for Gina, but like I don't know that she I don't know, like I I'm I am content wondering what she might have yes. done next. Agreed. Well, I'm glad that- y'all agreed because I disagree. I want her <laughs> to find Dina. You know, like the first DLC, the, the, the first game's DLC was a gaze-only event. I think should they should go, keep up the tradition. Go find Dina. She gonna find <laughs> Dina now. Where the first DLC that went back to the past. Now we're going the gay past. Now we're going to the gay future. In which she finds <laughs> Dina. Naughty that's Dog, all, if you're hearing this, and I know someone just... at Naughty Dog will hear this, please consider this very convincing <laughs> argument. Thank you. Let me let, let us. The, the fanboy team is making the case that if you are in fact going to add story DLC, it should be a hundred percent about finding Dina. No other subject, not Joel, nothing else. We need to find Dina. Yes. This is do it for gay culture, please. No, but seriously, like I, I think. If I took something away from... I took many things away from this game at the end. But one thing that I took away is that 
the extent to which the writing humanizes these women who have been through so much trauma and who have inflicted so much trauma, they are undeniably awful people for a lot of people, and they have undeniably made so many awful atrocities. But they are so molded by tragedy that maybe they're deserving of redemption anyway. Like, at the end, I truly think Abby deserves to live a life with love, to take care of mm-hmm. love. The first thing that she did when Ellie cut her down was say, love, love. And she rushed to cut love down. She didn't even think about herself. Just like it, like someone said earlier, it was it, it's such a beautiful parallel to Joel and Ellie in the first game. Like Abby is such a much better person because of her love for love and the way that that relationship has impacted her. And similarly, I think I think the game is sympathetic with the fact that Ellie needed to do she needed to get that closure because that closure was taken away from her. Um, it's not the closure that she wanted, and I think that's also crucial too. Um, that it wasn't what she wanted in the end. It wasn't murder. It wasn't killing Abby because that wasn't going to solve anything. But it was a form of closure that she ultimately did get. She made the choice to let Abby go because she realized that just perpetuating the cycle of violence and hurt wasn't going to do anything, especially to someone who had every right to be as her as much as she was. And I think seeing that humanity in Abby is what caused her to ultimately let her go, not just her love for Joel. Cause I don't, I don't know if the lessons that she took from Joel were necessarily ones of mercy, which right. is fine. But yeah. I think it is it is her own growth, which is why I'm confused when I see people say that Ellie doesn't grow by the end of the game. Yeah, she very she, yeah. she very much grows, and growing through an extremely traumatic portion of your life is hard enough. But it, it it's not that she grows in the ways that you might want her to necessarily. Like this is not a story about a girl who decides, you know, let me just mourn at Jackson and let people go like this is the story about a girl who is filled with anger at the world Mm -hmm. at being like the only one who's immune at having her chances to rebuild with her father figure violently taken away from her this is a story about someone who is broken and who is violent and who uses violence as a means to fix herself and that goes the same for Abby too and I think the writing is so thoughtful and considerate in painting that, like, yes, this wasn't the conclusion that Ellie wanted, but it is a conclusion, and it's for the best for both of them. Because now, Abby has come to terms with what she's done. Like, there are no... It it could not be more clear for Abby the repercussions of the pain that she inflicted on Ellie, as that could be said for Ellie herself, too. And so I think that ultimately these these two women are so like all the awful things that they do are so motivated by love and loss and tragedy Mm. that they deserve redemption sometimes absolutely people who have been molded by tragedy to that point they may you know be awful and they may do awful things and maybe this is naive of me to think 
But I do think some people deserve redemption if they have been molded by so much tragedy. And I think this is a story about two such people who have been disenfranchised, who have been disillusioned, who have grown up in this horrible, violent world in which they know few ways other to express themselves and through violence at the end of the day. And I think both of them deserve redemption. I I think... Abby deserves to have sailed away on that boat with love and to recover and to build a life with love as her like little sibling figure or even like a sort of son surrogate figure. And I feel like Ali deserves to also find Dina and make amends with her because Ellie really needed to do that for herself. She needed that closure. She really tried being happy as much as she could with Dina, but ultimately it was bigger than both of them. And I think she deserves that. So I I really want, I would really like an Uncharted 4 sort of end. Like, listen, I mean, Drake could kill like 500 brown and black people in like every fucking game, like, and get a happy ending with his freaking Elena or whatever. Like, my girl Ellie, my soft butch murderous girlfriend Ellie, who is an ally of women of color because she like <laughs> let me just point out her crushes in the text have been Riley, a black mm-hmm. girl, Kat, yes. an Asian girl, and Dina, who I'm still waiting on clearance on from uh from PR on this because I asked privately if she's non-white, but her bracelet has been commented on as uh, hailing from Middle Eastern descent, and they've spoken about her hair and making sure that it was like it was realistic and accurate to Middle Eastern like hair that women have mm, right. and the texture and whatnot. So, as I will let people know if that changes when I get a response from someone at Naughty Dog, but as for right now. I, I think it's safe to say Dina's a one of color. So Ellie is an ally to us brown and black girls, okay? She yes. is an ally. She's a queen. And I think she deserves a happy ending. And I mm. want it so badly. Like like I said, if fucking Nathan Drake can kill, like 500... Because people are like, oh my god, the dogs in this game, blah, blah, blah. Shut up. You care more about killing dogs than killing brown and black people in video games, okay? Let's just get that out there. All right. Anyway... Mm. If he could kill brown and black people in his games, like tons of them, and still have his fantasy happy ending, because Uncharted 4 ends so lovely and nicely, Ellie can get that too. Like, that's just feminism, baby. <laughs> not, 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 only, not only get it, but probably deserves it a bit more she, <laughs> for what she uh, yes, went through. Yes. Let's, mm, that's a discussion for another day, but yes. yes. Yeah. I, but, like, I really want. If not a DLC, then a Last of Us 3 where she like reunites with Dina and like, my babies deserve that shit. Like, exactly. my queer <laughs> babies deserve that. My girlfriends deserve that. They're both my girlfriends and they both deserve happiness. And Abby and love too. They've gone through too much tragedy. Like, but. Mm. They all deserve peace, at least. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I think I think that's what a lot of what Last of Us is about. It's about kind of following that love and that peace and that uh, solemnness and in uh, in tragedy and in, in mourning and in hate and in anger and I think that's a lot of what makes the last of us click with us especially is how it kind of really uh, connects 
to us and and how it represents everyone and then just the the reality of their situation and how the violence doesn't become so all-consuming that it that it, it twists them into into people we no longer recognize it although that can happen and it's definitely something that uh, I think The Last of Us does better than than most, if not any game currently. The Last of Us Part Two does better than any game currently on the market. And I think, uh, and I'm sure in the future, we're going to have a lot more to talk about. Uh, we already have uh, a, a lot of thoughts already on the site, not just on our podcast here, uh, written by Kenneth on The Last of Us on different, varying different topics. And I'm sure we will have more from other people as they play through the game mm-hmm. so I, I think for now uh we're gonna we're gonna bring this very heavy emotional but important <laughs> spoiler cast to kind of a conclusion mm-hmm. um i am your host colin mcgregor uh you can follow me on twitter at beguiled gamer natalie where can people find you people can find me crying about the last of us too <laughs> on twitter at Hardemisia. that's heart i m e c i a and as of right now i am the weekend writer at fanby so you can catch me writing articles uh, on the weekend wow shocker yes. weekend writing <laughs> and, and i would also encourage people to check out her review on taste.com mm. it is very good of the game yes, and i wrote a review paste magazine it's pinned yes. on my twitter it's like the first pinned tweet i have since my yennefer tweet um so it'll be easy to find that's, a, that's how you know how important it is it yeah, i'd like for to think it's pretty good too Haley gross retweeted and liked it so yes. um i think that's that's all the validation that i need but other people have been very nice too so uh you should read that and also kenneth's yeah yes and then yes. Where, can, where can people find you kenneth uh, I'm on Twitter at ShepardCDR, like Shepherd Commander. And uh, I, like I said at the beginning, I am the news writer here in the mornings over at Vanbyte, but also I write a bunch of other stuff. And I've written a lot of stuff about The Last of Us, including my review, which, I mean, this is this and the review podcast were the more traditional review discussions where in my written piece, it was more about kind of like how this game hit at a very specific point in my life and how it is kind of going to stick with me for that reason. And um, also wrote some stuff about, you know, the terrible marketing, the weird way that we uh, try to insert ourselves into the stories of games that don't ask for us to be there. And also, I want to buy that fucking guitar, y'all. I want to get that, like, that, <laughs> for those it's that haven't seen it. a reckless amount of money to be spending $2,000 for a guitar. Brand. But, like, it looked really good hanging on the wall or, like, in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> but it, Maybe get so it nice. when you find your own, like man who is Dina, who you can serenade, take on mm. me to and have yeah. like such a touching moment that ahead. makes you cry. But mm. that's a lot yeah. in this economy right now, man. <laughs> we're here, we're your friends and we're here to tell you when <laughs> a decision might not be the healthiest. Somebody hold my wallet so I don't do anything with that. Yeah. We'll do our best, but readers and listeners can stay tuned as to what happens <laughs> and, about that in our and, podcasts and fanbite lore. We'll kind of end up buying the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I wanted to thank everybody out there for sticking with us for this almost two hour long spoiler cast. Uh, we thank everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it was a. We got some. We got. It was long. We had a lot to we cover. We didn't even talk about everything we probably wanted to talk about either. Oh, we could go on for like another eight hours yeah. if we really wanted to. Hey, let us know if you want us to do that. 
so <laughs> thank you everybody for listening. If you want to show your support for the show and other fan bike projects, you can give us a rating and a review. It really does help. I know everybody says that, but honestly, it does help a lot. Uh, you can also find us, uh, find other shows like Numbers Go Up, our show on live service games. You love to see it or show on movies uh, and other ones just fan with at fanbyte.com slash podcasts, or you can join our discord at fanbyte.com slash discord for updates to hang out with our very cool community who I'm sure will also be talking about the last of us because it is pretty much consumed a lot of our discussion. So I am once again, Colin uh, joined by Natalie and Kenneth and thank you everybody for coming to join us. And we hope to see you again next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.